Well, it is that time of season, and this morning, our title for our sermon is Home is Where the Heart Is, and we're doing our last segment on John before we enter into Christmas-themed messages. Now, what's ironic about that is that today actually is very Christmas-themed, and I'd love to hear your response after the fact. How does this fit with Christmas? Now, we already heard... An oration about God with us. At the end of the sermon today, you're going to hear the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, in an incredibly inspirational and beautiful rendition. Uh, and, And again, Emmanuel meaning God with us. And as we embark on this passage this morning, and the thought of home is where the heart is, I have one question to predicate where we're going. How many of you have gotten your Christmas tree? A few of you. A few of you. Be blessed and rise, my friends. We went out. Our our whole schedule was thrown off this year. We always get our Christmas tree on the 6th. Because the night before Dylan was born, Janine was nesting. She was scrubbing floors. You know, ladies, how it goes, right? And guys just sit around with drool hanging out their mouth thinking, okay, I'll, I'll hit the activate button when necessary. And uh, so she wanted to get the Christmas tree that night. So we went out, we got the Christmas tree, and now it's been a tradition ever since. We've never missed a 6th of December in getting our Christmas tree in 18 years until this year. And so this year we went, and we went to Costco to get our tree. A hot tip by someone in our congregation, it's the... Uh, uh, it, it's the snap and surprise tree, right? You know, the thing's bound up and you don't really know what it looks like or what you're going to get. It's the forest group of trees, right? And so it's, it's bound up and you, you're looking and it, we're all kind of congregating out there. And we're asking, we're getting consultation like any of us are the right people to consult one another. But there's consumers out there asking, does this tree look straight to you? And does this one look straight? And then if your tree looks straighter, why wouldn't you beat me up for my tree? I don't know. But it's Christmas cheer everywhere at Costco. And so we're getting our tree, and I I come around the corner. I've been in the store for a little bit. I come around the corner, and the entire family keeps yelling at me as I'm walking towards the trees. Every person's yelling, I got the tree, I got the tree. And I love it because apparently I'm the authority. They're all looking at me like I have to put the approval on the tree. So we get to the trees and Gentry is just jumping up and down. And she says, I have found the tree. Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot lift this tree. It takes my son and I to lift this thing up and stand it erect. And, and the, here's the great thing is that they're all the same price. It's not like when you go out to the other, you know, if based on height, it's going to be X amount of dollars. So for $39, we got a 400-pound, 10-foot tree. I kid you not, Gentry rode it on the way out of Costco. Okay? And uh, uh, we had to uh, take in a welding torch, a plasma torch, and a sawzall to remove the seats in the car to get this. You couldn't put it on the roof or permanently dent the roof. And we had to chop. I've got firewood for a year based off of what I chopped off the trunk. All right? So we get this thing, and now the problem is what? Where's it going to go, right? And, and so we get it into the house. 
we finally find this one spot and we let Gentry, you know, do the last and we're going to have the Clark Griswold moment, right? Where you snap the line and the branches go through the windows, everything, right? And uh, it's close to that. And, and there was rejoicing and angels and trumpets everywhere. But now there's no room for furniture in our room, in our family room. Uh, it, it is an amazing thing. I have to file a wilderness pass with the uh, forestry service to go into my own family room now. Uh, it, it is an, um, truly an amazing thing. But what ended up happening is that we had to move a bunch of furniture. And now the issue is that the theme... Now, how many, how many of you, your furniture is pointed towards the TV, right? And, and, and when you move into a new house, you kind of feel guilty because, you know, you're thinking, oh, no, point it towards the fireplace. I don't want to seem materialistic. We know you're pointing it towards the TV, Okay, just get over it. And it's point, but now everything changes thematically, right? It's got to point towards the tree. Well, you could point our furniture in any direction in this room. It would be pointing towards the tree. So the idea, the theme is, is that when you bring something in to your home that is, that is of great importance, you kind of rearrange furniture so that you can focus on that very important thing. So my kids head off to Mexico. It's Janine and I home alone Friday night. We're moving sofas. I had to move the whole music stuff over. And I was sitting at the computer. She's sewing. She comes over to give me a hug because she's just a wonderful wife. And she's like, ew, you're all sweaty. What's wrong with you? It's Friday night. It was 30 degrees out. I'm like, I've been moving furniture all night long. You know, and, and so all the furniture is rearranged in our house. What about your home? What about the home of your heart? That if you could actually picture God coming and residing in your heart, would you have to rearrange the furniture? And so this morning, as we look at this title, I want you to think through, how is your house arranged? Because chances are that you've put the furniture, you've put pictures, you have decorated based off of what's important to you. And so as we move forward with this metaphor this morning, look at your heart as a spiritual home for God. And what is it that we pull into our heart that's cluttering the space? You ever had a visitor over and there's no place for them to sit? Have you ever invited friends over and a bunch of people have to stand? Because there's just no room? Or have you ever spent a lot of time preparing because you're having people over and you want it to be just right? Some of you are doing Christmas parties or you'll be going to them. If you're going to them, I encourage you, look and see what people have changed just to accommodate you. Well, let's look at our hearts this morning because this message that God is with us is very, very important. This really is a message about the Holy Spirit today. That Jesus comes into the narrative having told the disciples in the upper room that He is going to be leaving them. And they are distraught. Some of you know Christmas uh, is a difficult time of year for people who have lost individuals. Or people who have gone through divorce. Or are are, are suffering because uh, family members are separated from them for some reason one way or the other. And so the disciples are feeling this and, and they're distraught because Jesus is now telling them, the plan has changed. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And so we enter into chapter 14. We're starting 
in verse 15. And he says this. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. As we look at this morning, the first point is home improvement. And I will say this to you, let me encourage you along these lines, that when we look at this idea of Jesus saying that I'm leaving, He's saying to the disciples, we speak in terms that Jesus is in our heart, right? I often wonder what people think of that statement when you don't know Christ, when you don't have church culture, right? Let's ask Jesus into our heart. What are you talking about? What Into your heart? That's crazy. That's nuts. And then sometimes maybe even us as believers who have attested to that or given testimony to that, we're saying, you know, I really don't know what that means. I don't know. Where is that? What Jesus is in my heart? Like, you know, my physical organ that's pumping. What, what does this mean? Folks, when we're talking about the heart, we're talking about the centrality of who you are. That the heart spoken in the Greek language and many other languages, and even our language to a certain level, is speaking to the very essence of who you are, your character, your spirit, your soul. That part of us which makes decisions. That part of us that is devoted, that is committed to things. That part of us that loves. That part of us that hates. That's what it means, the heart. It is the deepest recesses of where conviction lies within each of us. And so when we see this word heart, understand it is the very central essence of who we are. And Jesus says a couple things. He says, yes, I'm leaving. But he says, if you love me, you're going to stay in line with what I've asked you to do. So get that straight first. Just stay in line with what I'm asking you to do. But next... I'm going to give you another helper. And some of you have the word comforter in your translations. Helper or comforter. Someone who's going to fulfill what I did in your life. I dread the day I will have to give away my daughters. But I do not dread the day that I will talk to those boys. (laughs) And I have already started talking to my daughters and saying... I will no longer be part of your life the way I used to be. I will be gone, but you can call on me because I will be replaced by another. And I will make sure that those young men know what it means to replace me. Right? When it comes to the Holy Spirit and Jesus says, I'm leaving, but I'm going to give you another helper. There was was no hesitation. There was no drop-off. There was no hiccup. And we'll see why. He's trying to build confidence within them. My question for you today is this. Are you lonely? Have you felt the loss of someone dear and near to you being torn away? Is there a hole? Do you need to be made whole? I can think of no better answer for that than to know that God is with us. But that is not sufficient for me just to say that. 
If you are struggling today, if I'm struggling today, and somebody comes up to me, well, God is with you. We're driving home um, Wednesday night, and it was one of the first real cold nights. We were, I think it was 9.30, and we're driving to our neighborhood area on our way to our house, and it was probably about 30 degrees already. And off to my left, because it's not a very well-lit street, I can see a figure of somebody walking in the dark. And I'm thinking, you've got to be nuts to be out walking in this cold. And so I'm passing by, and I notice this person has a cane. And so I turn my vehicle around, and I, and I kind of roll my... Well, I didn't. I rolled my window down. That was just silly. I kind of rolled my window down. There's no kind of. I rolled my window down, and I lean out the window, and I said, do you need a ride? And I think I actually even said, what are you, nuts? What are you doing walking out here in the cold? And they just laughed and they said, oh, my guardian angel was sent, but just a little too late. His house was like right there. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, uh, God has a sense of humor. And, uh, and, and so, but I, th- I thought about that and I thought, you know, having this, this, this challenge of being without... And that individual had been asking God, God, I'm freezing. Could you make something happen here? Now, if I pulled up and rolled down the window and I said, hey, God is with you. And just drove on. But don't we do that sometimes? We have all the language, my friends, but I'm not sure we believe it or that we act on it. And the disciples didn't get it yet. And literally, they didn't get it yet. Jesus is promising a helper. And did you notice the the verbiage here? He says, He will be with you. Jesus hasn't left yet. And when He does leave, when He ascends, He had given them instruction, go into Jerusalem and wait. And they did it. They obeyed His commands, right? And because they obeyed His commands, He gave them the Holy Spirit, the helper. So they did not have to be alone. So that God would be with them. Let me give you a few points here. Number one, That this happens for those who keep His commandments. God will be with you if you keep His commandments. Number two, it happens because Jesus asked the Father for the Spirit. Isn't this interesting? All three parts of the Godhead are involved. That the Father is the one that actually sends the Holy Spirit. It comes from the Father Himself. Yet Jesus is the one that's interceding for you. Have you ever had somebody ask on your behalf, I don't know what I just bumped. There we go. Uh, have you ever had somebody intercede on your behalf? Last or, or on Wednesday night, we went out with some friends from the church to dinner, and and somebody interceded on our behalf that we happened to kind of know, and they were the manager of the restaurant, and we ended up getting free hors d'oeuvres and upgraded desserts, and then we found out he leaves on he left on Friday. He's no longer the manager. I'm very sad. But you talk about timing, right? And so this guy was interceding for us. Even when we didn't ask, Jesus asks the Father for the Spirit. By the way, if we have a problem trying to understand the Trinity, this is a great section that helps you see there are three parts. Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Next, it happens forever. It's not temporary. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive Him as a deposit, guaranteeing your inheritance, Ephesians 1. The issue is, do you truly believe? Have you truly named Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Remember, He starts this promise with, if you love Me, you will keep My commandments. 
Do you truly love God? If we do and we seek relationship with Him, He promises forever. How many of us have been left by somebody? We thought it was forever. I can't wait for those conversations again with my daughters. He said it was forever. Yeah, he's a pen pal from Lithuania. What are you kidding me? You know, it's not forever. Not till you get on that altar and you say. And even our society says, what about that? That's negotiable. Jesus doesn't say this is negotiable. He says He will be with you forever. Forever. God with us. Lastly, it happens to those who have made a home for the Spirit of God. Have you made a home for the Spirit of God? Let me give you some application here on home improvement. You ready? Here we go. The Holy Spirit will be your helper. If you have entered into relationship with Jesus Christ, the way that this works is that the Holy Spirit points to Jesus Christ. Now you'll see in a few moments here in the text that Jesus says He will reside with us. But He's also at the right hand of the throne of the Father. And the Father and the Son are where? They're in heaven. And yet He has sent the Holy Spirit. So we're going to clear all this up and how this works. The Holy Spirit will be our help here. Helper, let Him help you. Apply what has been given to you. Let Him help you. When you have a crisis, do you turn and ask the Lord for help immediately? Or do you consult Him last? Let the Holy Spirit be your helper. When you're searching for those answers out of Scripture, you're asking God in prayer, let the Holy Spirit be your helper. For many of us, we need to grow in this area. The Holy Spirit is a heavenly afterthought much of the time. Let the person who's there to help, help you. Number two. Romans, I'm sorry, Romans 8, I'm going to give you some scripture that works with this. Romans 8, 5 through 8 talks about the comparison of walking in the flesh versus walking in the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is to be our helper, then how does that work? I can choose on any given day to walk in my flesh. I can choose to do it in my strength, in my thought, in my knowledge, in my capacity. And you know what's interesting about that is that I will be limited in the results. The results will only be what I can manufacture. And that's not much, my friends. So, when you think about this, write the Scripture down, Romans 8, 5-8. through 8, It simply talks about the fact that when we are in Christ... We should be walking according to the Spirit. When I have decisions, when I have choices to make, when I'm seeking counsel, I should let the Holy Spirit guide me, help me in those moments, not do it in my own strength. The next passage for us is Romans 12.11. Keep your spiritual fire. Romans 12.9-11 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Honor one another above yourselves. And never be lacking in spiritual... For some of your translations, it says fervor. Which means like a fever, passion. Never be lacking in that in serving the Lord. The Holy Spirit gives you that drive. Gives you that focus. Gives you that fire to live for Christ. You cannot manufacture that, my friends. 
Somebody asked me this past week, Pastor Jeremy, what do you think constitutes revival within the church? And there are many pastors and many churches that try to set up revival. Revival will only come when the Holy Spirit institutes it. And when God's people humble themselves. That's when revival will come. But you cannot have a humbling of yourself and forego the work of the Holy Spirit and still have revival. The Holy Spirit has to be your helper in that aspect. So that's another way that He is our helper. What's another way? He helps us with our quality. He helps us with our quality. Galatians 5.22 lists the fruit of the spirits: Love, joy, patience, peace, self-control, on and on. And so I can have those things. I can demonstrate those things at a modicum. And my wife would say, yes, they are at a modicum. My children would say, yes, they are at a modicum on, on various occasions, especially when you're hauling in a 400-pound tree. I asked the Holy Spirit to help me. It didn't really happen very much. Except He gave me patience. Except when I'm looking at my daughter and I'm thinking, that's going to be a heavy tree. I really don't want to haul that thing all over the place. And I know who's going to haul that thing out of the house. And it's going to hurt. And it's going to be huge. And it's going to be a problem. And I looked at my daughter's eyes, who's still enchanted by the selection of the tree. And I practiced kindness. Right? That's not my flesh. The Holy Spirit was my helper. And my daughter has a, a, a family memory that, you know, in the span of things... It may not be all that important to changing the world or have spiritual implications. But if the Holy Spirit will help me have kindness in such a, a moment like that, the Holy Spirit will give me greater help in things that truly, truly have eternal blessings or consequences. He will grow me. John sixteen thirteen through 16 The Holy Spirit, and we'll get to this in a few, uh, few weeks, actually in a few months, <laughs> uh, we'll get to John 16. Um, this speaks again about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says this, that the Holy Spirit will teach you and remind you of who I am. The Holy Spirit is given to us to reside with us, to be God with us, to remind us of all the things that Jesus Christ said during His ministry. That is how we experience Christ in us. We may not have had the advantage that the disciples had, in walking with Him. But even for those disciples, they're much like me in the sense that I could have a conversation with you today and forget what it was tonight. They had short-term issues, right? And so Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will be here to remind you of the things that I have said. And that was very important because the writings of these Gospels happened 10, sometimes 15, sometimes 20 years after Christ was dead. And so that is again part of the Holy Spirit helping us. As we continue on, the second point today is house guests. And let's continue in the passage this morning. It says, I will not, I'm picking up in verse 18. It says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little, wa- <clears throat> a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. 
Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So in verse 18, we see that Jesus says He's coming over to the house. Did you catch that? He's coming over. If Jesus called today and said, I'm going to be there at noon for lunch, what would you want to rearrange? What would you want to clean up? What would you want to change? Would there be anything? I mean, we think about, you know, if, if, if some of you people said, Hey, Pastor, I know the Scripture says you have to be gracious, so could you please take me to lunch at your house? I would have to say yes. And you could eat fishy crackers, just like me. And so we'd sit around my table and eat fishy crackers and water, and, and um, you could see all the Scripture that's up on all over my walls, because we're so righteous in my house. But I'll tell you right now, if, if my wife knew that y'all were coming over for fishy crackers and water, she'd be running home the second we said amen to do what? To cook the fishy crackers. Yes. <laughs> Baked fishy crackers. <laughs> Sautéed fishy crackers. Uh, no, she would clean. She would arrange. She would make sure that there was a, a, a welcome. We have, as you walk in our door, there's a chalkboard right there that she changes every time somebody comes over to visit. Now I put all this pressure on you. Every time someone comes over to visit, there's got to be a welcome for for those new people. What if Jesus said he was coming over? Would you have to rearrange your heart? God is with us. I think sometimes we don't really get it. Have you ever had a house guest and you forgot them? Right? Some of you are shaking your head, yes. I want those stories later on. You have a house guest and you forgot them. Maybe you guys are having somebody over for Christmas or maybe you had somebody over for Thanksgiving and you all went out shopping or something and, and you get to the mall and realize, hey, where's Uncle Harry? I thought you were in... I thought in, Uncle Harry's fine. He's at home. He said, I didn't want to go shopping. Right? But you forgot him. Sometimes we forget that Jesus is with us, that the Holy Spirit is with us. This morning when we talk about house guests, there's some very simple things that... We need to go over. And before we get to the application, let me just say this. Number one, verse 18, we, says, we see that Jesus says that He is coming over. He's not going to leave us as orphans. He's going to come to us. He's just going to come to us in a different form. Jesus says that He is in His Father, and we are in Him, and He is in all of us. You know, it's a beautiful picture of unity. It's a beautiful picture of a home that's warm and loving and accepting as opposed to one that's fragmented and broken. How is your home of your heart? Is he welcome there? Is he a full participant? Does he have a good seat at the table? Is he the honored guest? And in knowing that, do you know that as you bring in someone to your house, you bring in... Sometimes they're family, right? 
You know, it's interesting. We, we always think about, we often think about this. That when our kids go over to your houses, we had to consciously make the choice not to do that pastoral speech to the, their pastor kids, right? Of, now make sure you are good and make sure you say thank you and make sure you quote Zechariah 1.5. Don't come home if you don't. Because you what? You represent us. You represent Christ. You represent us. You carry more than just yourself wherever you go. We don't have that speech with our kids. But you know, when Christ comes into our house, there's more there than just Christ. The Father is there as well. Because He says what? He says, the Father is with me. And I am in you. And you are in me. And we're going to talk about that in January, about abiding in Christ. You get the whole package when Christ is in your heart. The Father and the Son will come and make their home with us. What a beautiful statement. And this is the... This is the capstone verse of our message today. Verse 23, let's read it again. It says, Jesus answered him, and he's speaking to Judas, not Iscariot. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Did you catch that? That it's not just the Holy Spirit that resides in us when we believe, when we love Him. We get the whole package. And so for me as a believer who's heard verses upon verses, sometimes I get to that point and I say, well, wait a minute. I know the Holy Spirit is inside of me and resides in me, but I, where is it in Scripture that I see that Jesus or God is actually with me? You know, I know that that's a title, Emmanuel, and we're going to hear about that all, all Christmas season here at Concord Bible. I know that God is with me, but I, I, where would I... Right here. Verse 23. From Jesus' lips Himself. The Father, Myself, the Holy Spirit, we will come and make what? We will come to Him and make our home with Him. Could you imagine? I dread the day when my, my kids try to put me in a home. You know, a home. I've told them, duct tape me to a 10-foot surfboard and, you know, light some things on fire and just shove it. Okay? Rather than, than put me in the home. But could you imagine if Jesus was the director or superintendent of that home? Man, give me a room right next to His. I don't think this way. I don't think that this, my heart, it can be, can be home to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And not only that, Jesus promises he promises that if I love Him, that's going to happen. What a gift. Does the gift of Christmas start to resonate with you now? That this isn't just some 
fabrication, that it, it, it isn't just a story. This is interactive. This is real. And it goes so far beyond just the, the, the pedagogy of reading verses and bowing and, and, and crossing ourselves and, and singing Deck the Halls or O Come Emmanuel. That the God that we serve, the God of the Bible, is personal, is loving, and is interactive. And He created us for relationship. You don't want to talk to somebody in your family? Do you sit in the same room with them? Voluntarily? As some of you are sitting here thinking, okay, my partner, my wife, my husband wasn't sitting in the room. Well, maybe I should talk to them. No, don't. But you know what I mean. If you want to be with somebody, if you love them, you're with them. You're with them. And can I encourage you, especially husbands, turn off the TV, turn off the computer, and sit at your dining room table with your wife and talk with her. Spend some time. Be loving. And your home, your house, will be a home. Dave and Rachel did a walkthrough of their new house just over here a bit of ways on Wednesday night and they invited us to come over. And, and I remember telling Rachel, we were very excited with them, and I remember standing where their dining room table will be and I said, what did I say, Rachel? I said, this is the most important piece of furniture in your entire house. Toilet ranks pretty good. Okay, shower is up there. But this dining room table is where you will gather with other people. You will do your devotions here sometimes. You will have conversations with your husband. You will have conversations with your children. You will teach. You will have people over that will be crying. You'll have people over that will be laughing. It all revolves around this. Is Jesus seated at your table in your house? He's your house guest. The offer comes from the Father we see in verse 24. The author or the offer comes from the Father. They're all involved. God is with us. And when we say God, it is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. An application today, number one, be accommodating. Fill your house with the Spirit. In Matthew 12, 43 through 45, we see a passage where Christ is speaking. He's talking in a metaphor, and he's talking about someone who had been demon possessed. Not someone specific, not someone literal, but he's using an illustration as a teaching point. And he says, and so the demon was cast out and the house was clean, referring to the body as a house as we are today in a metaphor. And Jesus says, and that demon left and he roamed all over the earth and he couldn't find a place that was suitable for him. And, and somehow he made his way back to the original host and the place was clean, it was neat, it was orderly. It had been done business and many of us today need to do that. We need to get in and let God do some dissection of things that are tearing us apart and ruining us. And we need to ask, take that away. And part of that is confession. Part of it is repentance. Part of it is just asking for mercy, right? And so, let's say we go through that process and all of that comes clean and everything gets orderly. You ever like your room after you finally get everything put away and it's, it, the laundry's done and the bed is made and... That happens once every three years, maybe, in my children's rooms. Ours is always clean. Anyway, it, it is a beautiful thing when everything's orderly, but Jesus, that's not the end of the, the metaphor. 
Jesus says that the spirit roamed around. He couldn't find a convenient place. So he's looking for a house again. And he comes back and what does he find? He finds a beautiful house. But it's empty. Because it hasn't been filled with the appropriate things. You see, when it came to being a house guest, you can get rid of bad house guests. You can get everything in order. But if you don't have the right things in that house, if you don't have the right people in that house going to get filled up with the wrong things so jesus says not only did that demon return but he brought seven of his friends and now that individual was worse off than when he first started now jesus is using a metaphor but can we focus on that can we relate to that can we see how that applies in our life that the issue for us this morning in this point is 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 very simple It's that we need to be accommodating we need to fill our house we need to fill our heart with the holy spirit And if we're busy filling it with other things that are damaging to us, there's no room. There's only so much room in here, folks. And it gets crowded. You could come over and and, and see my family room. It's crowded. We had to move things out in order to accommodate a gigantic tree. I need to open up my heart, clear out the stuff that needs not to be there, and make more room for God. I need to be accommodating. Number two... We need to do this in keeping the commandments of Jesus. This is how we clean our house. This is how we make it accommodating for Christ to come in. This is how we can say when the doorbell rings and the Holy Spirit is knocking, come in. The house is ready. We've been keeping your commandments. You know what it's like when you're expecting company and you're not ready. The panic that you feel. And you're just throwing things in closets. And you're throwing, and, and you know people are going to notice. You know they go to reach for something. No, no, don't open that door. Right? How do we do that with Christ? Folks, if we keep His commandments, He says, I will come and I will be with you. I will be with you. That's how you are accommodating to the house guests of Jesus. Number three, the most important here is that we have to love Him. You get lost in all of this, just get down to the basics. Just love. If you pursue God with love, it's not going to be a task to follow His commandments. Yesterday my wife called, or no, Friday. Friday is my quote-unquote day off, and I really wasn't doing anything, which is what you should do on your day off, right? And uh, I have a habit of going downtown to a coffee house, and sitting there and, and going over emails and reading some scripture and making phone calls. They closed my favorite coffee house. It's, I know. Thank you so much for your sympathy. I appreciate that. And so I, I was agitated. I didn't have anywhere to go. I'm kind of mulling around the house. And, and so my wife was working that morning teaching sewing. And, and we had to pick up gentry. And, and, and so uh, I called and I said, hey, remind me of the schedule. And, and she said, yeah, we, gentry needs picking up. And then she was going to go to Costco uh, to get all these poinsettias, right? And I said, well, I kind of wanted to go downtown. And so I'm like, could you get Gentry? And so she's, you know, just a, a nanosecond of hesitation from St. Janine. And she says, sure, honey, I'll go get Gentry. All the way over at the far end's recesses of Clayton. And then I'll drive all the way back to Sam's Club. Just so you can have your, no, she didn't say all that. 
But as I hung up, guess who was speaking to me? Because they're in my house. Hello, knobhead. Because the Spirit calls me knobhead a lot. You're not doing anything. And where are you going to go? I took away your distraction of coffee and, and, and caffeine. Are you kidding me? She's been working all day and now you're going to ask her to leave when she's trying to do something for the church and inconvenience her. And I had about a five minute beat down from the Holy Spirit. And I picked up the phone and I said, Honey, I was just joking. <laughs> just joking. Of course, don't worry about it. I'll pick up Gentry. Enjoy your day. And by the way, just stay out. I did say this. Just stay out there. Do something for yourself. Get yourself a little something. Would you? You know, the Holy Spirit was really like... <laughs> and, uh, and so this issue of, of loving. When I hung up the phone the first time with my wife, I thought, that is not loving. That's not, that was completely selfish. When it comes to my relationship with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, as my house guest. How often do I tell him, hey, it's inconvenient. Could you just kind of, could you go do this while I'm doing what I want to do? I'm not loving. If I want to experience him as my house guest, I need to love him. And he will be with me. He will be with me. Today, the last point, the core of your home is your heart. The core of your home is your heart. Let's look at the last part of this passage. It says this, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. There is so much in here. We could speak about this for a month, but we're just going to pull out some specifics central to the idea that the core of the home is our heart. The heart is central to who you are. The heart is central to who you are. In the language uh, of, of the Greeks, in the language of even uh, Latin, and, and the understanding, when you talk about the heart, you talk about the core. When we went and toured, uh, if you go and tour places that are Roman cities, their main street would be called the Cardo. Cardo is part of cardio, in which we get the word you know, for our heart. And so my encouragement to you today is this, is that the core of your home is your heart. It is central to who you are. And to have the Father and the Son and the Spirit reside there is tantamount to making God central in your life. It is how we make God central in our life. Not, not just an afterthought, but He becomes central in your life. You have to make Him the giant tree in the room. Bring Him in. Remove the things that do not allow you to focus on the tree and sit and be with Him. Sit and be with Him. Some of the workings of the Spirit in us look like this. 
Number one, there's an awareness of God's love. The Spirit sent by the Father comes representing Jesus. We see that in verse 26. The result of the Spirit residing in us is peace. It is peace in your heart. That's the second week of the focus of Advent, the Christmas season. And you'll come to Christmas Eve service and you'll hear about peace and how that relates to Christ and the incarnation of Christ, God with us. How does this work? One of the results, my friends, for us, one of the applications is peace. It's promised to us. If your life is moving from one tragedy to the next, and there's high levels of anxiety going on in your life, Jesus promises it doesn't have to be that way. I can bring you peace. And bring you peace through the Spirit of God. We have to start with an awareness of God's love. These are some of the workings of the Spirit in us. And they look like the following. Secondly, it's a sense of guidance and purpose in life. That when we think about our heart, what does it look like to have the Spirit residing in the home of our heart? To have Jesus and the Father be referenced through the Spirit as residing in our heart. What does that look like? Number one, it looks like an awareness of God's love. Number two, a sense of guidance and purpose in our life. We see it in the verse where Jesus says that the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father would send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This is part of the role of making your heart the home for the Holy Spirit. God being with you. Thirdly, the power to obey Jesus. The Spirit reminds us of Jesus' words. If we're to obey His commands, if we're to be mindful of His words, and the result of that is that He remains in us, that He makes His home in us, there's an actual part of this that the Holy Spirit helps us and teaches us what it is that Jesus said so we can experience truth and experience that peace. When we look at Scripture, when we listen to teaching, and it's confusing sometimes, the Holy Spirit's role is to help us understand. Scripture says that the world, and you heard Jesus say, the world's not going to know the Holy Spirit. Why? They can't know Him. The Holy Spirit has to be in you. So therefore, they cannot discern spiritual things. 1 Corinthians 2 speaks about this. That in order to, to understand spiritual things, and when that happens in your heart, my friends, take note. That is the Spirit of God. For many of us, we struggle knowing, where is the Spirit, Pastor? How do I really know that He's there? When you suddenly start growing and start understanding little pieces, little bits, it's such a joy in our life group to watch this happen. It's such a joy as the pastor to watch each of you in different capacities grow in your spiritual understanding. That doesn't happen because of my brilliant teaching. It happens because the Holy Spirit takes the words of God and makes it relevant so you understand truth and the Holy Spirit and God start abiding with you in the home of your heart. It's the core. Next, the realization that we are united in relationship with God. My dad was here last week. We spent an entire week with my dad. He was, came out from the East Coast and uh, loved our weather. Left right before all the cold happened. Um, he missed all the cold in Baltimore and uh, just loved it out here. We had a great time with my dad. 
And it was very comfortable. You know, we'd walk in the living room. Hey, Dad, what'd you do all day? You know, while I was working. And I'm reading a book. And, you know, it's great. And and just interacting with the kids. We played Monopoly. Don't do that. We played Monopoly for the first time. Uh, I think that's the first time I ever played Monopoly with my dad. My dad cleaned my house. But we had a great time. He was our house guest. He was our house guest. But you know what was refreshing is that there was a reminder that I was in relationship with my father, who I don't get to see other than once a year. And for many of us on a spiritual level, that's what it's like with the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Maybe it's just Christmas and Easter that we invite Him in. We have a little touch-up with the Holy Spirit. The fascinating thing is, is He says that we want to reside with you. We want to come and make your heart our home. That means a border. That means permanent. Not a renter. Are you renting space to the Holy Spirit? Stop. Give Him full priority in your house. Hey, the dishes are up here. Silverware is there. Anything in the fridge is yours. Right? I walked home this past week. There was a teenager in my house who was not my own. And they just ran to the cupboard. And it wasn't, it wasn't my nephew's either. Of no relation. I'm sitting reading something. They go into my kitchen. They open the cupboard. Grab a glass. Go in the fridge. Stand there like I do. Shut the fridge like I do. Walk away and just shake. No, no, they open the fridge. And they grab my eggnog. Oh, yeah. Glug, glug, glug. Liquid gold just pouring into the cup. And I had to pray. House guest. You are welcome. You are welcome. Anything in my house. This is what it means to have the Holy Spirit at the core of your home. Because of the Spirit, we no longer need to live in fear. Did you catch that? We no longer need to live in fear. This is what Jesus says. You can stop being anxious, disciples. And and to that end, it's the same thing for us. It's a recognition and understanding of the truth through the Holy Spirit. When He's in our heart, He reminds us of the truth. And my friends, there are so many things out there that want to dissuade us. There are so many things out there that want to convince us that everything is stacked against us, that our life is falling to pieces. We just have the wrong house guests, don't we? Or we've just asked the Holy Spirit to rent. Jesus says, I want to come. We want to come. We want to make your heart our home. That comes through believing. That comes through following His words. That comes through obeying that comes primarily if all of that is a little fuzzy 
then start with what he said and what you heard today. Just love me. Love me. This morning as we close, I want to be real clear with you. Jesus is in our heart through the indwelling of the Spirit. Do you know Him? Put your trust in Jesus. Obey His Word. Then His Spirit will grant you peace. God with us. What an amazing thought. May those words never just be a Hallmark card. It is indescribable when you truly have God in your home. I want to show you a little bit of maybe what that looks like. I came across this song this past week and it was inspirational to me and I want to close with it this morning. It is a rendition of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And the two people that are playing this song, they, they don't necessarily state in the video, although you'll read the words and just read the words. They don't make a public proclamation of their faith in Christ, but each of them would say that they have faith in Jesus Christ. And that when you see their music, I think some of this transposes. It's interesting that I said see their music, right? Let's watch this. And then Mike, if you would come on up and pray over the offering.
that. And this morning, if you heard those or saw those last words, let's give the best in ourselves. There's a part of that narrative I didn't really appreciate it. Believe in yourself. When I believe in myself, I fall flat on my face. But I, I know what they meant in that. But that's not where they stopped. They talked about Jesus working through us. And when I said, you'll see their music, did you catch what I meant? There was something in them that came out through their music rather than just playing notes. This morning, is your heart filled with the promise of the Holy Spirit in your life? I pray that it is. Faith in Jesus Christ, even though we can't touch Him, even though we can't uh, see Him literally, is the key, is the answer for our part. But His role is already done. It was done on the cross. And it never would have happened had He not come in the incarnation of Christ, which is what we celebrate at Christmas. And so He's done His part. And our role is to believe and make a statement of faith in that. And then He will come and reside in us and start to rearrange the pictures, the furniture, and the house will be radically different. And He will work in and through us just like we saw on the screen. Mike, would you please come and pray for the offering this morning? We're glad that you're here. Again, if you are visiting with us, uh, take one of those cards, fill it out, drop it in the offering plate, let us know how we can serve you best. And folks, we've got two weeks till Christmas services. So let's, uh, let's reach out to our friends, neighbors, and see what God does in that response and effort to take the message of Christ and the true message of Christmas to those who need to hear it the most. Amen.